but uh but yeah so what um, we've been talking about the nomos nomads nomadic distribution it's almost a pleonasm at that point um it's almost a platitude if you take the etymology of nomos which we should i suppose uh provide for our listeners yeah it comes from a, a greek root greek verb nemo um which one of the one of the meanings is to divide up and to distribute and the other of which is to tend to pastures and flocks and grazing and to go roaming around pastures and so yeah and this that that comes anyway there's there's other etymological connections we could we could trace but and those are um, the principal ones i mean those are yeah the word nomad comes from it this 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 word nomos comes from it yeah yeah and if, i mean of course uh you know deleuze even before his work with Guattari, he was concerned with nomadic distribution. Um, he brings this term up at least as early, if not earlier, than difference of repetition. And but he doesn't quite explicitly thematize it. It's it's still kind of latent, and it's 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 not really until um, his work with Guattari and Anti Oedipus that that we see a more fully elaborated notion. And then of course. In a thousand plateaus, with uh, a more detailed discussion of smooth spaces and striated spaces, we go even further into this elaboration of, um, and of course, the number, number, and numbering number. You know, we we get deeper into these uh, the, these these types of discussions of um, the nomadic versus the sedentary and, and, and these other things that flesh out this concept. Do, do um, nomadic. That, that, yeah. Could you unpack that point about the numbers? Maybe how does that relate to maybe distributions and, and well, I, I mean, it, if, if, if I had to like boil it down and of course this is always a, a difficult thing with, with Deleuze, you know, the, the whole meme of, you know, fucking explain, body without organs or I'll fucking kill you kind of thing. Um, <laughs> uh, nomadic distribution, right, is, um, or as you said, the number, number, and the numbering number. Yeah, this, I, was trying to, I was trying to ask, what did, what did you mean by the numbers? Well, or this, could you this is, just elaborate that maybe slightly? Yeah, these are, these are, this concept I think is hinted at in um, uh, the signifying regime's plateau, right? The fourth one. But it, it really gets more play in the um, in the two later plateaus on the war machine and on the apparatus of capture, where it's about um, it's really a, another kind of lens into not only this, but one of the ways that I remember it is it's this lens into discussing um, these different multiplicity types and uh there is this kind of standard model of a multiplicity that is um sort of set theoretical and is composed of elements that uh, uh the constituents of which can be numbered in a way that uh, has nothing really to do with the ontological 
nature of that multiplicity. Whereas with numbering number, there is something uh, co-constitutive going on that the multiplicity in its numbering. Um, I suppose, you know, another kind of just to throw another binary opposition out there is it's 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 it, it, it's um, the difference between extensive multiplicities and intensive multiplicities. Right. So multiplicities and extension uh, uh, allow themselves to be thought very easily in terms of number, number and um, numbering number uh, would be more appropriate to intensive multiplicities. One could say the same thing about you know, Larwell's conception of idempotence, um, so to speak. So I think that's where the nomadic distribution uh, comes into play because it's, you know, it's no longer about um, distributing within fixed set boundaries that would imply the state of a situation, right? But um, sort of this more supple space, uh, wherein the space doesn't pre-exist the distribution. If that makes sense, I'm, 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 I'm obviously not there, doing justice, but it's okay. I, I think, I mean, this stuff is like impossible. It's like, I mean, I, I, yeah, there's, we could go off on that, but like, I, I hear you talking about nomos and like deterritorialization about nomos and number and this connection and which which may not be formally etymological. This is deconstructive, I guess. But like, you're you're. I, I love this elaboration, but like, I, I'm still curious about it. Maybe we could try to unpack it. And but there's a second point I want to get to as well. But like, the numbering number versus the number number. Uh, and you sort of pointed to the numbering number as a different relationship to the multiplicity than the number number. Um, and maybe about something about the distribution, something about the way the numbers either fit into the slot assigned by the structure or themselves assign and allot districts and divisions within structures. And so, I mean, is this question of do numbers quote unquote in themselves relate differently to things? It's really like how we're effectively pragmatically using these signs in different cases. Right. Um, it's, and it's about the different disposition of the sign about the sign being different when it's plugged into a structure versus when it's like organizing and structuring a str- and when it's the, f- configuring factor in a structure i'll put it maybe suggest that and maybe that gets at this other thing i'm i would i would want to more directly ask you about because i think it gets it gets to some of the platonic questions that i think we're at least i'm also curious about at this moment and it's like and it's a nietzschean question too and it's um it would be the sense of nomos as customs and, and laws right it's not just this distributive operation the the nomos is already something else it's like it's a it's a cultural system um and it's it's the the law or convention as opposed to nature it's like you know it's 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 maybe one of the like the oldest metaphysical debates in a certain way right Right. like right you know are, are you constrained by the law and it like is is it you know, is it opposed to nature? Do, do people in our true nature, would we like want to overcome or do something else? Or I I don't know. It's like, it's, it's framed in Gorgias in a certain way. And um, Deleuze kind of makes a a very nice analysis of it. um, Right. That anyway, I don't know. We could, we could go into, but I, I mean like the, the, 
short way to say some of this hopefully would be that like the 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 customer the law like it it is like a constraining factor right like and and forms a system of constraints on behavior um and it's it's a a but it's nothing more than just a set of conventions that we've invented. Um, and it's, it's in some sense like a fiction as much as like the dotted lines that mark up the divisions between districts in the city. You know what I mean? You won't find them if you go walking around. Right. Um, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll find placards, you know, trying to persuade you that something fundamental has changed here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so- Mm-hmm. Sorry, go, if you have something, please interrupt. Yeah, but no, I, 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 I could go on about like convention versus nature. This is basically the content of the Gorgias, for what it's worth. This this debate between Socrates and Callicles, right? With Callicles trying to give voice to nature and the flux of desire, and Socrates misunderstanding him, thinking he's talking about pleasure, right? Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and 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 maybe I could just quickly point to like Deleuze says the beautiful thing about like you know. Socrates can't, uh, or like Calicles doesn't know how to explain to Socrates that desire isn't just the satisfaction of, you know, of an appetite, right? That it's something positive and, and creative. Um, but in, in advance, Socrates rules out any kind of, any kind any suggestion like this. Right. Yeah. Uh, so this is page 380 of a thousand plateaus axiom two proposition five and it's about um the war machine is the invention of the nomads that's the second axiom right insofar as it is exterior to the state apparatus and distinct from the military institution yada 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 but i wanted to go down in here and it says um so it doesn't parcel out a closed space. It, uh, the nomadic trajectory distributes people or animals in an open space, one of this indefinite and non-communicating. And then he says the nomos, or then they say, the nomos came to designate the law, but that was originally because it was distribution, a mode of distribution. It is a very special kind of distribution, one without division into shares in a space without borders or enclosure. The nomos is the consistency of a fuzzy aggregate. It is in the sense that it stands in opposition to the law or the polis as the backcountry, a mountainside, or the vague expanse around a city. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's the next proposition where he gets into, where they get into number, uh, where proposition six, six is where they get into um, numbered number. number and numbering number and how numbering number is, uh, you know, it's, it's, autonomous arithmetic organization um is that numbering yeah the, the autonomy the, the arithmetic yeah organization? The, the numbering num- number um the number is no longer a means of counting or measuring but of moving is the number itself that moves through smooth space um and this is why it is in relation to minor science instead of royal science um and of course there's a lot in this whole plateau but i'll end by saying yeah, maybe we, we yeah no go for it please just um i'll just read this last part where he says the or the where they say uh i keep saying that i don't mean to uh 
In the War Machine and Nomadic Existence, the number is no longer numbered, but becomes a cipher, and is a, and it is in this capacity that it constitutes the esprit de corps and invents the secret and its outgrowths. Um, and then you know we could go on, but uh, you know this is all very much. Um, that sounds like Pythagoras to me, but again, maybe that's my ancient Greek, <laughs> like. But right, like the number becomes this cipher set of ciphers, and around a vaguely cult set of activities, and a whole, right. li- a whole life, a whole lifestyle based on the secret knowledge. And- yeah, it'd be it'd be it'd be like a you know it'd be like a a non Euclidean um, a non Euclidean Pythagoras, right? Pythagoras before Euclid and without him. Um, without- well, I mean, I, I like the idea of Pythagoreans as this kind of nomad war machine of their own, right? Like not waging war, but like waging occult time war on geometrical forms. And you know what I mean? Um, but anyway, yeah, I was hoping, would you want to try to interpret some of that for me? And maybe like, maybe we could try to relate it back to like this question of customs and laws. I feel like that's how they started. Maybe we could start there. Cause like they, they agreed. They're like, yes, right. Like nomos is, is the law. But it's because it's this distribution and it is this is this is the primary sense of it, is this distribution you were saying of people and animals in open space. Right. And it's in it's a space that's indefinite. There's no division of it. It's an indiv- indivisible space. I'm tempted to suggest maybe um yeah, that there's like it it, it, it I mean it's it's possibly, I guess, like uh, I, I think about allotment of of shares or like this division of. It's like in principle, this this universe you can expand, um, you know, uh, whether they like code for land or any other kind of like, you know, like uh, flow upon the land and through the territory. You know what I mean? Like it, it there's a. In, in the process of allotment or like creating a numbered set of like, you know, either abstract or concrete elements of a state machine. And like, this is the thing state machines do is they divide, divide the territory up and assign resources. You know what I mean? Like there's not, there's, there's nothing in a certain sense more than the state does than this initial, you know, er law of distribution of people in this open space. Um, and, and so the, the state has this, like, you know, this profound interaction with smooth spaces. It like, it striates them. You know what I mean? It draws these, it draws these like lines of, of demarcation, um, that, that cut up the world and into, into tiny territories at war with each other. Right. Uh, and but I guess they're 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 pointing to that there's a more, you know, like I don't know. This this is a more profound operation than it looks like, right? This this administrative division into into districts, or I guess more metaphysically, like aspects of things. These other things the law contemplates and distributes in open spaces, distributes people and animals through them. It's still pastures, right? However, metaphysical and abstract, you know what I mean there's still a concrete flow through the territory that's being measured according to a certain, you know, like scheme, you know, that's breaking down a whole structure and trying to configure it. Like it was a, you know, some, some kind of like already a, a, 
a kind of a secret model of, of the world, right? Like there's a way in which like Royal science has its own, you know, kind of like little nomad machines within it. Um, and I, 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 I don't know. I think about the, the, maybe the state scientists, you know, and, um, I mean, I guess like, especially like the, the harrowing accounts of the people who worked on and things like the atom bomb. Um, and you know, anyway, I, my cat just escaped. I gotta go pick my hair up here. That's okay. Anyway, I was probably going on about states and administrative districts, but well, that's. Um, I mean, that's the right. That's the right. Um, you know that's the right way to go, and and one of the one of the we could call it a metaphor, but it's, it's I guess it's more of an analogy. One of the analogies that Deleuze and Guattari use um, is <clears throat> insofar as you know we brought up nomadic distribution and sedentary distribution. We brought up nomos and polis, and uh, the one of the ways they talk about the difference between smooth and striated space is. Uh, or the nomadic and the sedentary is, is that the state game, the, uh, par excellence, right. And it's striated. Um, can you, sorry, dude, can you repeat some of that? Oh yeah. So, um, so that, that the, um, kind of one of the ways to think numbered number and, and striated space, the against the nomadic or against nomos is, is chess, right? Um, the, the board, the game chess, and it's like the game of the state. And whereas there, there's the smooth space of go and, 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 um, and sort of its ability to, um, to distribute in this open way and, and it's space, itself is distributed right um rather than pre-distributed in a striated manner um so i think in that sense that's that's one of the ways that the nomadic becomes red uh for them is in these this analogy of, of chess versus go um the openness of go with the pure strategy of go versus the uh the law of chess if you will Chess is like infinite tactics. You know what I mean? Like in, in a certain way, it is already the whole genre of like tactical strategy. Um, but yeah, yeah, there is this like, anyway. And it's even got a hierarchy of pieces that go lacks, right? Right. And it's like, it's in a certain way, it's like wrong to think of the go pawns as anthropomorphic, right? Like it's their tokens, you know what I yes, mean? In a way. Right not the case in chess right right like, chess is all too representative the, of hierarchy right except in the abstract sense that like a pawn in chess is a is a token of a generic unit and so on right like but it's it's a unit of a soldier in battle for a king and it's our you know what i mean like it already has all this structure um b- baked into it of the kind of war machine it belongs to and um and yeah i don't know there's so much about chess that has all this predetermined kind of like internal logic and structure to its set of rules that go like completely lax, you know, in a certain way. Um, 
And I mean, there's a way in which this, it's the difference is the space. Go is a much more open, especially on the bigger boards. You know what I mean? You can sort of just start developing it, your little cities, complex multiplicities anywhere. And they have these like ex- exciting, strange, nonlinear relations with the other things on the board. And it's, it's right. a, it's a universe, open universe in development and so many different things can happen. And I mean, the same is true with chess, but it's like, or at least the intensity can be present, but like it's a much more closed, closed off space where it's like all that chaos and, and intensity, but like boiled down into these like differentially strong units and like this tight locked, like it's a single battle. Whereas like go is like war or something like this. And like, in in Yeah. Anyway, well, it reminds me of uh, this. This just to go on a kind of a tangent. This reminds me of an episode of um, Star Trek: Next Generation, where um, there is this notion that the Romulans are, are are trying to encroach a little bit more on the uh, sort of the neutral space, and so um, they 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 <sighs> the Federation turns to this. I forget the race. Uh, of aliens that they turn to, but they turn to this race of aliens known for their strategic minds and they get this matter master strategist and it's all about war preparedness. And one of the like little side plots of the narrative is there's a game called Stratego or Stratego, which I'm sure that the word go in there is, 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 is important uh, is it's meant to be this like, kind of almost three-dimensional go uh, game and like your head and your, in your fingers tips are like all connected. Uh, so uh, somebody goads the master strategist to face data in this game and data loses the first time fairly quickly, even And data. And, you know, people are like, Oh, how is that possible? And data's like, well, I guess I'm not perfect. And then at the end of the episode, they have a rematch and, um, the master strategist guy like quits in frustration and runs off, and so everybody thinks Excellent. everybody thinks that Data won, but Data's like, "No, I didn't win. I I played draw, yeah. I played the day, game differently. I wasn't trying to win. I was yeah, I was trying to play indefinitely, and I played him to a draw. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's awesome. There I is, love I love this. It's like the right. Don't don't let me override. No, just just that I think that that's there's maybe um, some little hints of a kind of, um, you know, meditation on this question of, of state forms or this question of this all or nothing uh, of chess that, 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 uh, you know, um, data was kind of, he, he allowed himself to be beaten or unconsciously allowed himself to be beaten by playing by the, the, the set of rules that seemed, obvious from the start that you play this game to win and um you know taking that taking a different approach um meant that while he wouldn't win he also wouldn't lose and so it's it's just a you know it it says something about um it just it seems i guess as soon as you start to deconstruct it and like maybe we shouldn't do it this far i guess and like ruin it but like um it, it, and it does seem easy to ruin it by reflecting on, like, isn't this such an obvious strategy? Like, how how could this be the secret strategy that the computer comes up with that's, like, alien and inspired and different? 
than any human has been able to think before, even this master of games, this master player of games, and this hyper-decadent, indulgent culture where people do nothing but play games all day. Um, you know, you it, it's got to, you know, I don't know. It made me think about e-athletes and, like, you know, what would the, the you know, the end of that culture may genuinely come about when it's, like, clear that, you know, androids can do all this stuff a billion times faster. Um, and, I mean, I guess that's the weird thing. It's, like, the data is a singularity and an exception is itself this glaring thing that needs to be lampshaded because it's, like, all their other tech is, like, 400 years in advance of us. But with AI, they're they're not that far. Or maybe we've, you know done a lot since the nineties to change the sense of what AI can do. And as an industrial process and practice, um, which brings us much closer to conceiving at at least mechanical level, how something like data could exist Um, and taking it kind of for granted alongside other uber sophisticated elements, like uh, like in truly fantastical elements, the idea that data is a, an element of the fantasy, whereas he, he appears more and more grounded in a certain reality today is kind of interesting. Yeah, you know, um, I think in 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 a certain way, I I, I like um, Roddenberry's world only for the not just for kind of the progressive elements, but for this this um, this interesting tension about the 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 sort of internal drama of of conflict not being merely resolved by by warfare that that war is not the the object of this universe and yet at the same time it is that which which threatens and helps to solidify the the sort of uh not just like um not just deep down the prime directive but this 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 uneasy federative alliance and the 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 sort of detente between you know the romulans klingons and all these other races who who seem to if not glorify war then 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 uh hierarchize it in terms of of their own code of values in a certain way so that's that's kind of the the real tension to a certain extent is the the status of 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 war in um, in the in the negotiation of the different episodes, which for the most part don't tend to like overarch to to a to a development we would like to see nowadays in um in, in the arc of a show, uh, with some exceptions, right? Which we've talked about in recent episodes, like the like the uh, the Borg, which kind of puts all conflict to a makes all conflict seem <laughs> between these different these 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 disparate alien uh species it, it, it kind of you know um threatens all every every life form and technological existence and wants to subsume it uh yeah so, man yeah. oh sorry go ahead no no that was, i guess that was it that, that i guess that question of the even the possibility the conditional possibility of uh, of any sort of either desert island or or nomadic existence, like no no flow, no stock shall shall remain un uh, inc- not included into the the great individual of the of the Borg, and that's a that's a that's a huge threat to sort of 
the, yeah, that's the but, best threat to a certain extent. I, yeah, I, I mean, I guess like I, I'm tempted to play sympathy for the devil and talk about like, well, the Borg are on their own journey too, but um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Doesn't Prime Directive say don't don't interfere with their? Well, uh, I, but, but I mean, it's 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 clear they're like monstrous, you know what yeah, I mean? Right. And, and they're obviously painted protagonists, you know, or antagonistically. I said protag because obviously Picard becomes Borg. Um, and makes you question everything, right? Um, Lacutus, yes. Yeah, no, there's a deep existential moment that only like an, an excellent actor like Picard could really achieve, I think, with it. And like it became, it really is like this, this strangely perfect moment um, when, when you, you hear the Borg speak through their eloquent, uh, Locutus. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Uh, but yeah, and and yeah, and uh, uh, there's there's something persuasive about them, and like they're inc- they're increasingly like persuasive to humans and and to androids, and like they try to seduce Data at one point, which I think is an interesting. They do, yeah, they do, and and Data feigns being subsumed, and that's but that's in uh what that's. Is that in one it's of the? One of the is that in, is that yeah. Nemesis? Is that that? Or, it sounds plausible, but I'm not sure. I think that might be. I, mean, I don't think it's Nemesis. Yeah, oh, no? I, watched, I don't. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I, I wanted to say that that the Enterprise is a nomad war machine, and the question is, what is their cipher? Um, what is their? You know, well, you know what I mean. And maybe like it, it, it is. It is something about like the interpersonal dynamics of the people on the ship and the new form of living together that it kind of implies and it does at least that would be my suggestion that it encodes like this prescient idea about new forms of social relations and this is like the secret that it passes on is kind of like a dose of futural thought a a future thought amplitude and this is like maybe the the you know the something the the real of the trek the like the the sense of the odyssey of it you know is is that it's this little war machine and like some I, I guess i'm thinking of these particular instances where like the whatever the neo primitives cultures on the planet will be like well look don't you aren't, aren't you coming like a colonizer basic you know we would say something like this today and like that you're you're coming with this big warship and your big guns like they, and they basically put it to him like isn't starfleet a military organization isn't this effectively you know you're conducting war by other means by you know, despite your prime prime directive, you know, Kirk intervenes on basically every planet, every chance he 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 gets. He's like deconstructing the primitive myth religions of of some some you know back you know backward culture that has gotten tied to like a computer in a cave that's like telling them how to do everything or something like this. You know, at least the the old Trek was this way that the prime directive right. was like an afterthought. Yes. You know, like, oh, we probably shouldn't have totally like transformed their culture from the outside without just, you know, but like, but nevertheless, it's like clearly an unjust state of affairs and Kirk, Kirk always finds some way to justify it, which is kind of the funny thing about it. Right. Like he, he justifies all these interventions in these random remote planets by, you know, ar- arguing uh, effectively that it's like, well, look, they're being hindered from their development by these weird backwards ideas and myths. You know what I mean? I guess this is the other side of that thought amplitude, the way it like 
it also ends up reproducing, you know, com- completely reactionary takes on social formations and the interactions between cultures. And maybe honestly, that gets us back to data a little bit, which is like the kind of the, the, the social question of intelligence and how to deal with like, you know, like this, this sort of, and I mean, Picard is a little different. Like he, he doesn't want to do the intervention and it's like, it's sort of, it, it's intended to reflect that he's like a smarter, more thoughtful captain that Starfleet itself has kind of grown up from its wild west days or something like this. You know what I mean? That like that adults are in the room appointing other vaguely responsible, thoughtful people to apply their rules and practices that won't treat it quite as cavalierly as, uh, you know, James, James C. Kirk. But anyway, that's a lot of Star Trek talk. But. That's okay. That wasn't too bad of an excursus. Um, you know, and that, that difference is, is, is definitely palpable and it's, and it's, and it's good to, to bring up. Um, and, and of course, uh, next year, um, Patrick Stewart's going to reprise the role of Picard. CBS is starting a series. It's just called Picard, and it's kind of taken up uh, some of the drama. <clears throat> I guess, however many years later, thirty years later. Um, so that should be interesting to see what they do with that. I'm, I'm looking forward to that myself. So where do we go from here? (laughs) I guess we're open, right? We're in, we're in open space. We're kind of. Yeah. I mean, I, I I could try to frame my, I guess the question I would pose would be the thing I said about the enterprise as a nomad war machine and what is their cipher and what is the secret they invent? I sort of gave some hints and suggestions as to what I thought they could be encoding, which was like new forms of social relations, future right. amplitudes, and that that's that's kind of the secret there that Star Trek's trying to pass along, is that you should treat everyone as though they could be brilliant geniuses and they will astound you. You know what I mean? There's no reason society should be organized in the way it is, um, with with respect to that, like the potential of individuals um, to to provide different kinds of value to the world. I don't know. This is all, all, all very fuzzy sounding as I frame it this way, but it's, it is the sense of, of Star Trek level kind of future of, of interpersonal and social ethics and all this stuff. Right. Which is, which is, it's not about some fuzzy notion of, of equality. It really is about these new interpersonal norms where it's just accepted that, that there's, there's not effective functional differences between us. But again, I think the point would be it ends up replicating it, you know, all these narrow reactionary kind of frames that it's that it's it was stuck with um, at the time. And uh, I, I think you see this especially in the enterprise's relationship with certain, I guess, pre-industrial kind of societies, I guess you would care to say. It. Right. I mean, I was thinking about, yeah, I mean, this question of... Uh, to get back to the prime directive, one of the ways that it buffers against an imperialist type of nomadic war machine or the war machine kind of turning against its, its own exteriority and being subsumed by 
kind of a state function is is to the to the highest degree at least the prime objective is meant to, not to impose a kind of anthropomorphic or race species centric development onto other intelligent life forms or potentially intelligent life forms right not to like disturb or interfere or intervene in their futural amplitudes and their and their possibilities in such a way as to merely in such a way as to kind of impose this image of thought of humans um as the the highest um type or even the the federation of yeah. the the allied races as as the model to be followed because doing so that is that is potentially what the the borg are doing they are like the inverse of the primary objective right they well right the borg is deconstruction of kirk's enterprise i guess would be the yes the, and that's kind of where you were going with it and it's good to to bring that up because i i i didn't really get into the the original series but it's good to to point out that difference and and it's a palpable one that there is a danger there is a kind of um there's a kind of thought imperialism to, to merely say here we are the higher types follow us this is how you perfect yourselves and doing so is a kind of contamination um even if it's meant with the best intentions, right? Or maybe especially because it is. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe we should try to do a lateral move here. And I, I or at least I'm reflecting more on the data and the, the, the player of games, the, the gamer. Yeah. Um, Master strategist. Of, guy. Yeah. Right. The result of their, whatever their post-contemporary gamer culture looks like. And um, the the idea that it would be some refined high strategy game, I don't know. It, it, it like is it, it's at least of a piece with the the kind of deco future of Star Trek, right? But um, I, I I I love the idea that it's a three dimensional spatial go, and I like I want to watch that episode again. I thought that was an interesting an interesting point. Um, and I mean, if anything, one of the secrets of the enterprise is data, right? Like, is there, you know, crazy future AI? Like if the next generation has thought amplitudes of its own, right? Like, I think it is contained in elements like data. Yes. Um, that, that hint at what is swiftly to come in our personal lives. Um, and already were like perceived as kind of imminent for a long time in a certain way. Um, and I, you know, I think, I think Star Trek's image of the computer would be interesting to deconstruct like as a whole, I guess, is the suggestion. But that, that would at least be one way into, I know it sounds strange, but like the way its social relations work, right? Um, and because the computer is conceived of as like this ideal intelligence. Um, and, and the old Star Trek has all these funny kind of like computers can be trapped in logical paradoxes and all this stuff. And Next Generation's a lot more sophisticated with well i i won't say that they they do some kind of funny things with data um that's that that i mean it's it, the pers- the perspective of hindsight is kind of um it anyway but data is such a beautiful future looking sort of sort of thing and the idea of like an android citizen 
it, that is like a fascinating, like, like deterring, you know, like a transformation of, of even the futural nexus of new social relations that, that, that the original series kind of laid out, right? Like next generation by weaving even, in, even, you know, non-human, non-living, right? Like, like other, other intelligences of other substrates entirely, right? Like we're trying to get rid of, you know, even the metaphysical substrate of your soul, right? Like whether it's incarnated in this or that kind of matter should you know, doesn't matter anymore, you know, right. at least ideally. Right. And, and, and it's, it's one of the best episodes of, of the, of the next generation. We've talked about it before about where Picard begins to lay out some of the first and, you know, law relating to androids and their citizenship within the Federation. And he gives all these beautiful, like where he gives a beautiful, kind of like speech in favor of data having the right to, to decide whether he's treated like cargo and able to be shipped about right, here and yeah. there by, by, by Starfleet, whether he's chattel in other words of the Federation. Yeah. Um, and it's a fa- it's fascinating how it like it codes for these things, but it also has this other dimension to it of just concretely posing this, this question of, of the cyborg and what, you know, or rather of the Android or the, the gynoid or the humanoid robot. Right. Yeah, I think that that episode comes fairly close to the. I looked it up. It's season two, episode twenty-one, and, yeah. and the game is actually called Stratagema, uh, not Stratego, which is yeah. a real game. So sorry for uh, not achieving. Yeah, Stratego is like chess with like poker. It's like right. you, you you can't tell what unit you have until you turn something like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, but you're right. I mean, you bring up that episode where there's basically this order to commandeer, uh, to force, um, to, to, to force data to undergo this, basically this, this autopsy, this, this vivisection, um, with no promise with much likelihood that he won't be able to be put back together. Um, and you know, Picard has to, sort of engage in this legal defense of his rights as a citizen under the Federation and not merely a, uh, uh, as you said, a piece of chattel or a piece of property. And, um, you know, that's another one of those, I mean, most of the, most of the data episodes are, are are pretty damn good, but that's, that's another really good one. And, um, you know, it's, uh, just this notion of a trial, to litigate data's singularity, right? Because he's not of, he's, he's obviously, I mean, obviously he had at one point he had this, this brother who, (laughs) but who was, uh, for, for other reasons who, um, um, was not as, as perfect or was more human in a bad way than, uh, than data, right? This, this kind of doppelganger lore, um, in any case, it is, yeah, it is very interesting. This, this notion of, you know, is, does, does data not have free will to the, to the extent that it is granted legally in a legalistic sense, uh, to other members of, of the Federation. <clears throat> and, uh, so Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I understand that. I guess free will like codes for 
it deserves to be considered as well it's one of the it's one of the it's one of like the legalistic criteria right that they they go through they walk through these questions of self-consciousness self-determination um which right yeah i know i remember feeling very windy uh, oh sure you know yeah but oh no but no it is it's so cool to see picard like like trying to make the like passionately make the case for data it's like easily easily got my vote for some of the best uh, the best lines in the show, but um, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I think the question of data's legal status, like, is is interesting, and like, and I, I guess I'll just point out he did like try to create a child at one point, like a an android, you know, like built from his model or whatever, and um, well, he successfully uh, does create one, yes, yeah, right, uh, well, right. Um, so he, and he, you know, seems, you know, I guess capable of, of propagation on the long term, at least somehow. And, and I, you know, it doesn't seem likely that, you know, Starfleet is more than a generation behind being able to do the same thing with its own organic understanding of things. If they're right. If the civilization as a whole is that close and the fringes are onto it, it can't be that Far. Yeah, I mean the uh, that episode is interesting. The 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 being that data generates. Um, I believe he names it Lol, and it's not quite the way in which he was constructed as an android, right? It it has more biological inputs, and it and that obviously isn't really gone into very deeply, but it. It is a kind of biological creation, ex nihilo, uh, uh, this this ex nihilo creation of a biological being, and um, he presents his creation with, you know, four different. He he like out of all the infinite types of like appearances that can be chosen, he narrows it down to four to simplify for it and. Lal chooses a, a, a young human female and and assumes a gender and of course most of the episode is is about these these little the the alienation that she feels uh, because she's not a human adult and right has to like learn like the children but obviously the children know that she is not um, normal That's, by they any know stretch. That something's up. Yeah. They know that something's yeah yeah and 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 of course because um this just shows the 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 limit of data's intelligence and perfection is um like his biological creation is uh, the lifespan is is extremely truncated but you know during that lifespan uh she experiences all kinds of emotions and joys and feelings that that he never will um, without some sort of, you know, unless Q were to grant it to him through sort of theological magic, which he refuses at one point. Right. So, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, they seem to correlate with a collapse of her, of the integrity of her psychic structures. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the very, and, and at some point their realization in silica, and she, and that that's even like sort of implying this funny thing about like maybe 
you know, emotions are like this, this partial incomplete breakdown of, of rational, you know, reasoning structures that like, isn't, doesn't form a total spiral that destroys the psychic substrate, but, you know, transforms the surface, makes the world look different, um, and adds biases and distortions of, of its own. Um, that uncontrolled could multiply and overwhelm. So, you know what I mean? It's like it's the logic of affect or something. Right. You know, the, the waves of intensity, I guess, can can propagate and transform and distort things. And yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, this is just making me think. Much, I guess much more general things about the the. Anyway, I, I could go on. I guess about like the the problem of of tone and, and finding the right, the right mode. And it, it is, it is a problem of ethics in a certain way. And at least the formal way of learning how to live. Um, and, and yeah, and I guess, I guess, yeah, sorry, please go ahead. Just yeah. of what a body is capable, right? Yes. And yeah, the, you're, you're right to point out that it's precisely where, data is lacking in this in this interior field of experience that even though he can unlock that field that sphere for his progeny it ultimately is the uh the cause of her demise and yet still within that that crystallized life form there is this experience of beauty and joy and all these things that that he will uh, never have access to. Right. And, um, and yeah, so it's, it's, it it is interesting. Uh, I mean, in a certain sense, you know, data is, 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 is very much a continuation in, in a certain vein of, of the Spock character, but opens up so many more possibilities for, for the next generation, uh, series. That's a um, that's a great connection. I really like that. Yeah, the yeah. the hyper rational, um, yet unmoored from the biological, and unemotional. Right, like that's the definition of Vulcan, right? Yes, like is utter, utter repression of emotionality, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly repression. So I mean, but data data's data's is is, you know, it's no longer it's a psychical. Rep- it's a it's a foreclosure right. of of mechanistic design. And, um, you know, there is, there is an episode, I think in season three, where there's a Vulcan who's come back to do some negotiations and he's, but he's experiencing basically the equivalent of, of a kind of Alzheimer's. And, um, and so he ceases to have the, the, the steely, um, you know, unmoved, uh, non-emotional reserve. And in fact, begins to his, his, his psychic forces begin to resonate and, and, and change the, the emotional stability of those around him. And so people get in all these fights and like, you know, all, all this kind of chaos ensues from his own, from the breakdown of his own, um, mental stability and they do a mind mel. He does a mind mel with with Picard, and Picard has to like suffer for a couple of hours. This yeah, this intense feeling, but allows this Vulcan to 
do what he came to do, which was to negotiate this peace treaty between these warring factions. Um, and it's a little over the top, but you know, the best scenes, obviously Picard kind of emoting all of these feelings that, uh, is being offloaded onto him due to the mind meld. And you can imagine the kind of Shakespearean panache and drama with which, uh, Patrick Stewart, like, per, uh, portrays this, this, this instability that he has to experience, um, and it's very, in a certain way, it's 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 again the diametrical opposite of of Locutus, right? It's uh, it's on the the other side. Uh, so I mean, there's a way in which Picard's character is uh, is this becomes very polymorphic in uh, and and malleable for a lot of uh, the different episodes. Oh yeah, no, they're they're polymetis, man. They're they're I guess that was the bigger point I was trying to make. They're clearly on this space odyssey and that's like at least the frame, the formal frame of the show is that they're going to go visit a new planet and experience some weird new culture. And it's whatever it's Gulliver's travel. It's like every, every meta story frame has like a similar, like we're on a big journey somewhere and we're going to stop a bunch of places and, and get ready and it's going to be fun. And you know what I mean? Like it's all this, this story frame is really common of like at least a journey. Um, you know, that, that presumably ends in some kind of war or battle or conflict. And I mean, if you're armed to the teeth, it's a, it's, it's coming one day for you. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know, man, like there's the, I, I'm tempted to reflect just, I guess, before we break, cause this might be enough Trek theory for, for, for one session. Um, but, uh, I, 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 I do think there's something like, like fascinating about the question of like what, what is secret even in the Star Trek universe, you know, like what is there? And they do have like some kind of secret intelligence division. And it's, it's genuinely not talked about that much on the, in in general in the shows. Right. But it's like just part of like their kind of conceptual universe. And the idea that there would be an intelligence agent embedded, right. Like somewhere on the enterprise, just like tracking things and, seeing what's going on and taking the temperature of things and like, you know, whatever, like conducting small sabotage operations on like enemy agents or whatever happens to be, you know, like a thing. Um, and the idea that they really are like this little war machine out, out in the, the, you know, desert of the universe. Right. Um, and they're, they're joyous. Right. And they're, they're, they're bringing like the best of humanity with them. And it's, it's all the, all the, the glory and greatness of like, you know, of, of human space exploration, you know, mi- mixed with high pulp fantasy opera elements, you know what I mean? Um, but there's, there, there's, I, I, I mean, g- genuinely something like transcendent about the original series and like the, the, the kind of the, the elements of the culture and transformation that it captures um, but it does also have a lot of negativity, I think, and for that reason, because like in order to overcome those things, it kind of it kind of had to work through all the other things about its culture, um, almost in reverse, right? Like it, it, and I mean, and there's a way in which you can read it, which it's already deconstructing these colonializing elements of its own of its own culture, and that they're wrestling with the prime directive, you know, like 
is is just a very kind of ham-fisted way of of trying to talk about you know like a, 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 a genuinely more like like open attitude to to other cultures right, right. like into other ways of life that's like that's that's and, and and i mean again kirk's argument is always like well look they were being hindered from progressing you know which is like valid when it's like there's some computer you know in in the bottom of a cave that's <laughs> like controlling society somehow but like but it's not the case when it's just people you disagree with you know that's, right. that's not necessarily you know, right to tell them that they're living wrong or something, you know, and uh, I, I, I don't know. So there's a, any, anyway, that, that would be my thought is like, just that, that question about like just society and how we deal with intelligence and the way it, it's, it's on the one hand, it like, we, we don't give people like in general, like the, 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 the credit for being even sentient, you know what I mean? Like, like we, we have a very kind of like, like cold planet in a lot of ways, right? Like where there's, um, I, 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 I don't know. Like w- that, that seems to be in, in, in my head, like the, the, the fundamental cruelty and injustice of being on this planet is the, the idea that, that we're, that we don't treat every human child as having an equal chance of, of becoming the most am- amazing. You know what I mean? Like if, and it's one of these things if we were only to think think about children and what they should deserve by right and all being children and being innocent of anything effectively like sh- shouldn't all of society be transformed from it, from inside out um anyway i don't know i guess star trek is me thinking in that kind of childlike mode where it, it seems so simple that we should just take care of all the children and it's and it would be it would be solved but um, you got to think it would go a long way if we provided, like, healthcare and adequate shelter and adequate food and education. Um, yeah, yeah no, it's it's a uh, there's the question of becoming child and uh, you know becoming enfant, right? Is um, you know all in with just this. There's a there's another great episode. It's early seasons of Next Gen where all the children get sort of beamed aboard this dying planet because they the these these peoples can't inter, can't reproduce and yet they have like the highest best means of um, of educating them right and and of of making them become what they should be like the best artists and the best craftsmen and all these things and so this whole dynamic of what is the next gen without the literally without the next generation without the next line it becomes its own drama that gets resolved and it's kind of a wesley episode (laughs) but um but yeah i mean the, the yeah this this and Roddenberry himself, kind of the creator of Star Trek, has, has kind of mentioned that, you know, one of the impetuses, at least with Next Gen, if not already latent in the original series, was sort of a, an action show without action, right? This this action show without the, the normal tropes of dramatic tension that have to be resolved through 
through uh, the most blatant forms of conflict, right? That that conflicts are much more dynamic and and psychological, collective, etc. Without taking combat and warfare as their primary means of resolution, um, I think there's something to that. While it may seem sort of idealistic in a in a in a banal sense, there it's still managed to allow for this universe to flourish and provided literary potentials to explore the investigation of problems that that I think that combat gets downplayed as the as the solver of all as as the ultimate solution right and 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 that's what leads it I think to be um you know more high-minded in certain ways and more uh you know, we could say more nerdy, but in a good way, right? It's it's sort of more intellectual. It, it probes these problems without solving them falsely through any sort of measure of of sheer strength in a in a in a, in a simple or straightforward sense. That definitely seems to characterize Picard. Maybe I would I would venture. Maybe not Kirk as much, but um, who is who is definitely reckless. Uh, yes but anyway, anyway sorry I, I think that's that's probably a good unless no, that's, yeah, a, that's, that that's a, a good place, place to break yeah